So we have been talking about a divine manifesto, and a lot of us have mission statements, vision statements. A lot of us have creeds and ideas that we, we um, kind of work in our lives. But a manifesto is a little bit different. It's kind of like all those things bundled together with intentionality and implementation. Is that it's, it's not just something that we believe or hold to be true, but it is something that we implement. And we started looking at the creation story, regardless if, if you look at that as a billion-year process or it's seven 24-hour process, that's not even uh, an issue. But what the real thing is that we see from the book of Genesis is that God was intentional about what he ended up with. He had a vision in his mind about what life-bearing environment and culture should look like, and he created that. And he began to speak, let there be, and he began to arrange things and materials in such a fashion that it would be life-giving. But he didn't stop there. He then created human beings, and the one thing he said about us is that we would be created in his image, meaning that we too would be the arrangers of material. We too would be the speakers of a future that that we desire and intend to have. He gave us that ability to do what he also did. So we're using the example of this guy named Nehemiah of putting together a God-given manifesto. And a lot of us are looking for how to word it, how to put it together, what is my manifesto, what should be a part of a manifesto. And the reason why I picked Nehemiah is because he's a broken man in a broken society. And it it kind of reflects a little bit more of what we're experiencing. A lot of us are here. We're in maybe difficult marriages. We're in a country that's experiencing difficulties. We maybe have experienced life, life things that have made life difficult for us. And Nehemiah is searching for this manifesto. And then he's implementing this manifesto in this broken world that he lives in. So the city of Jerusalem was destroyed. It was broken down by war. And some of the people are living in exile and some of the rubble that surrounds Jerusalem. And I think, you know, we can look around and see that as well. Not necessarily in Washington. We can look in our own personal lives, some of the things that are broken down and been reduced to rubble. So Nehemiah wants to approach the king of Persia, who's Artaxerxes at this particular time, to get permission to travel and to rebuild these walls. So Nehemiah, in his search for this manifesto and to this, for this plan, he seeks the heart of God. He talks to God about what God wants to do, and he acknowledges God's plan and his power and how he wants to walk in that plan. But last week, we listened to the conversation of Nehemiah with the king. And he has this conversation. And, and the reason why it was important is because it became like an allegory for us, that some of the components of the conversation become an allegory of maybe our conversation with God. I, I know we, we're God believers, but a lot of us get tripped up on the, what am I supposed to be talking to God about? What am I supposed to be asking God for? Am I supposed to be praying for a victory for the New England Patriots? What are the things, the conversations? What should be part of my manifesto? And so when we look at this conversation between Nehemiah and the king, we're kind of using that as an allegory to find out the conversations that we have with our king, who is Christ. And we begin to look at some of the elements that should be in a manifesto. So when meeting with the king, he sought empowerment for, from letters that would give him authorization to travel. Remember that in Nehemiah 2, and here's the dialogue. I said to the king... If it please the king, let letters be given to me for the governors of the providences beyond the river that 
they may allow me to pass through until I come to Judah. These letters, we learned, gave him the ability to move throughout the kingdom. Borders is not a new issue. It's not just a Trump issue. It's not just an issue that we're having in the United States. Traveling in the middle of an empire or a government and people groups moving around was, has always been a concern. And it was a concern in the time of Nehemiah. And normally he would not be allowed to move through the government or move through the countryside that has now been taken over by the Persian Empire and then actually begin to rebuild this city of Jerusalem which was the center of this, this government. Normally that would not be allowed. And so there were governors that as you pass from region to region, you would go through, I mean, let's just pretend that like there were gates or walls, or whatever it was that you would have to pass through. You would have to present your passport or your letters giving you authority to move through these different things. And what we learned about this was that, that as we try to dream and begin to build the life that God wants us to have, that we're gonna find ourselves passing through regions where there are governors that there are maybe biases that say that you're the wrong color and you're not allowed to move forward. Maybe you're the wrong gender and you're not allowed to move forward. Maybe there's the bias that, well, you've been divorced. And you know, once you go through divorce, well, when it comes to God, you're kind of like on the shelf. You know, you're, you're not really allowed to move forward anymore. Or maybe you've dealt with an addiction or dealing with an addiction. And that governor tells you every single day as you look in the mirror that, you know what, it, it, dude, you're an alcoholic. Nothing good happens to alcoholics. You're just going to be that, and that's all you're going to be, and you're going to screw up for the rest of your life, and nothing's going to come out of your life. And that governor keeps you in that region. Some of us are staying in the region of our last greatest failure, and we're defining ourselves by this failure. And, and that's where we are. Another thing that happens is we're staying in a region because our dads told us we'd never amount to anything. You know, it's like, ah, you're an idiot. And you're never going to amount to anything. So, so a lot of us have stayed in the region of the definition of our dads, whatever was spoken over our life. Maybe some of us, we were victims of crimes, sexual abuse, emotional abuse. Whatever it may be, maybe as a result of that victimization, we have just stopped our development. We just don't go any further any longer. That our victimization be becomes the boundary, the governor of whether or not we're supposed to experience this thing that Jesus said, life and life abundant. So God is talking to us about these, these letters, these authorizations that he's given to us. And just like Nebuchadnezzar, as a res I mean, uh, Nehemiah, as a result of his relationship with the king, that a result of our relationship with God, through our relationship with the king, we have been given letters that we can pass beyond the boundaries of the governors, the things that tell us that we can't go any further or be any more than what we are or the color of our skin or our latest or worst mistake. I love one of the letters that's given to us, and it's my favorite. It comes out of Romans 8.1. And that's a letter from my king that King Jesus wrote and gave to me, that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That as a result of this, this relationship with the king like Nehemiah had, now as a result that I have a relationship with God through this relationship with my king in Christ, I'm now allowed to move forward. 
that there's no condemnation to me. Not as a result because I'm, I'm perfect or I've become morally good. My ability to move forward is because Jesus is my Lord and that he died for my sins and that he rose on the third day as a demonstration to all the governors that tell us that we cannot move forward, that it is written in the blood and the very body of Christ and through the power, executed through the power of the resurrection, that you and I have been given letters that say your life does not end here and that you can move forward. See, if we're going to have a manifesto, if you're a guy here and you've messed up, you know, maybe you've messed up in your marriage and, or maybe you've messed up in some other area. You know, and your head's down. Well, God wants to raise your head. He's the glory and the lifter of your head. If you're a woman here and, and, and life just does not seem to be working out and you've been put in your place. Well, God, through the blood of Christ and your relationship with him, has given you a new place where you are a daughter of God and that you are endowed with the Spirit of God and with the authority of God to have the life that he has called for you to have. So today we're going to take a look at a different part of the conversation as it's continuing on because we're going to see another element that Nehemiah has to talk to the king about and I think it's something that you and I need to talk to God about or it needs to be a, an essential part of our manifesto. So in Nehemiah 2 verse 7, let me, let me read it to you. And I, Nehemiah, said to the king, If it pleases the king, let letters be given to me to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the fortress, which is by the temple, for the wall of the city, and for the house to which I go. And the king granted them to me, because the good hand of my God was on me. So Nehemiah asked for access to the king's forest because he's looking for materials to build his future with. There's a beautiful illustration that comes out of this. I think most of us love the mountains. I mean, they're gorgeous, whether it's in Asheville or whether it's something you experience in Colorado or other places. I think we love the woods. I think we love seeing all the trees and the beautiful forests that, that you can just walk through and that you can hike through. But I think when we use the word forest, we're all thinking uh, different things, depending on where you are from in the country. See, there are three basic forests, at least biologists break them down into three easy groups for us to understand these different forests, but they're, they're not all the same. Generally speaking, there is the tropical, there's the temperate, and then there's the taiga, or it's also called the boreal. And these are different kinds of forests that are biomes that are on planet Earth. Now, they're kind of broken up based upon their latitude on the surface of the planet. And so you experience a different kind of forest, but they all are forests, but they are they are kind of have different things about them that, that move them from tropical, temperate, or taiga. But the other thing about all forests have in common is they have these two elements. One of them is called flora, and the other one is called fauna. Now, flora is the plants that are indigenous to that type of forest, and each forest has its own kind of flora. So if you go into these different regions, you'll see that there's different things growing and different kind of fruits being produced from them. But also there's different kind of fauna, and that refers to any kind of creature that is living in the forest. 
whether it's a bug or whether it's a deer or an antelope or whatever it may be, every single forest has its own flora, its own um, bearing, the things that it bears out, and that it has its own fauna, meaning that there's creature life. Or we could even say that it has its own behavioral context. So every, every forest has bearing in behavior. And each forest bears its own kind of trees and plants and has its own kind of animals with their own kind of behavior. So when Nehemiah is being specific about forests, this is very intentional. This is not just something he's asking for. He's looking for timber to build with something from the king's forest, from the king's timber. He wants a specific type of flora, a certain kind of fauna. He wants a certain kind of bearing and behavior that comes from the king's forest that speaks to something of the quality and the strength of what he wants to build with. He's not just looking for any, any timber. It's not just like, hey, yeah, we're going to go back to Jerusalem. We're just going to build with, with stuff. And we'll get the stuff. But, you know, we'll just build with anything. But rather, he wants a letter that says, I want the stuff of the king's forest. Well, it's interesting. If you look close on it, in the Hebrew language, Nehemiah uses a scarcely used word when describing timber. He uses a word called pardes. Now, that's the Hebrew word, and that word's only used like two or three times in the Scripture, two times in the Old Testament, and then, it, uh, then there's a, a Greek version of it. But the word pardes is the word that's used to describe the garden of the Lord in the book of Genesis, you know, where Adam and Eve lived. And then it's used in the New Testament, transliterated into the New Testament, and is used in the word or the root word of the word paradise. So when we think of the Garden of Eden and when we think about heaven as Jesus presents it and he tells the thief on the cross, today you shall be with me in the, the, the forest of the king. You shall be in the timbers of paradise. It's this idea that what, what Nehemiah wants is not just stuff of the earth. He wants something from the king's forest. And what this allegory tells me is that when I want God's future for my life, I need to build with the materials of heaven. Not just anything. I mean, anybody here can build a life. I mean, you can build a marriage, you can build a relationship, you can build a job and earn a career. But it doesn't mean that we're all building with the same stuff. It doesn't mean that we're all going to end up with what God intended for our lives. See, this is why Jesus taught us when the disciples asked him, you know, like, like what, do you, what does Nehemiah ask Artaxerxes for? What does he ask his king for? Well, the disciples were like, what should I be asking for from God? So Jesus said, when you pray, pray this way. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He's saying, pray for access to the forest of the king. Means that whatever that stuff is in heaven, whatever makes heaven heaven, makes paradise paradise, that I want that to come to earth. I, I want that material. I want to build with those materials. Give us this day our daily bread and, give us, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. 
That, that's how the materials of heaven work. They, there's forgiveness in the materials. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. You know, we all can build a life. And we can all have a level of success in various definitions of what success is. But in order to experience what God wants for our lives, we've got to build with the timber of heaven out of the king's forest. It will take the truth of heaven. It will take the character of heaven. It will take the will of heaven. It will take timber from the king's forest. And we'll need to build with that. Um, I'm not a real handy guy. I mean, there's some things I do pretty good, but carpentry is not one of them. I own all the tools, don't get me wrong. I mean, I got a jigsaw. I don't know what to do with a jigsaw, but I got one, and it's battery operated. Yes, I'm, I don't know if that's good or not, but it, I, got, I got a jigsaw. But you know, so when I go to build something, I, I'm like most people, I go to Home Depot or I go to Lowe's, and I really don't care which one I go to. You know, I may look at the lines. I may look at who gives the best veterans discount. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'll just go to one of those places and try to get some sort of discount and to, to buy the lumber that I need. But you know what? When I've tried to do really good jobs, like I want things to stand up after I build them, or I want them to be smooth and finished, I've noticed that when you go to Lowe's and Home Depot, you know, the wood's kind of kind of iffy-iffy, you know? I, nothing against the stores, but, you know, I... I all of a sudden, when I'm looking for like a one by four, I'll, there'll be a big stack of it, and, and I'll be stacked up, and I'll pick it up and look at it, and I'll look down the line, and it's like, dang, that thing is curved. And then, uh, you know, flip it over, and you see there's all these knots in it, and you know that, I mean, the certain size knot, it's, you know, just a little pressure on either side of that knot, that thing's going to snap in, in half. And so I'm that guy that they hate, that I'm looking for like 12 one by fours, so I'm looking at it, stack and put it down, stack and put it down, stack and put it down, because I'm looking for the best possible lumber to build with. And what usually happens is that if I don't find it, then I know there's a couple stores in this city, and I'll just let you in on it. Southern Lumber mills some incredibly beautiful wood if you're looking to build with. Another place is right over, I think it's on uh, James Island, is, is Buck Lumber. If you're looking for a two by four to be, guess what? Two by four, you have to go look for a mill that provides that kind of timber. See, you can, you can build your life with any kind of lumber you want. But, you know, it matters where the lumber comes from. It matters where the timber comes from. You know, I was looking up the whole 2 by 4 story because there is a story about why a 2 by 4 which is now like a 1 and 3 quarters by 3 and a half, maybe, depending on what state you're in. It's like, well, how did that happen? When, you know... When did the American public buy into the idea that a two by four is not really a two by four, or this will function with the same strength as a two by four? Well, it kind of happened accidentally. And, and before World War II, usually lumber was cut down in a little region and then used in that region. So you built it, you cut it down from the woods outside of the town, and then they would bring it in, they'd mill it, and then there'd usually be homeowners or people or builders that would be right there, take the wood and build with it. But because of the change of demographics in the United States, the rapid growth that we experienced after World War II, wood started getting shipped to different locations. Well, what happens is the wood shrinks. 
it begins to dry out in the travel. So by the time it arrived, it's like, oh, yeah, that was a two-by-four, but yeah, I know it doesn't look like a two-by-four, and I know it's not two-by-four, but, but it still has the strength and the tensile uh, capacity of a, of a two-by-four. There's a lot to read about this. So if you're bored one day, or if your team didn't make it to the Super Bowl, let me encourage you, Google two-by-fours, and you can get a lot of reading on it. But what I've learned is that you can settle for wood that has knots, and you can settle for wood that has bends in it. And you can tolerate the variations of standards and sizes of woods. But you got to decide what you're going to build with. Because all of us are getting our timber for somewhere. See, maybe the materials you're building with is, is the way your dad did it. And that's your forest. That, well, this is the way my dad treated women. This is the way my dad raised us. This is the way my dad talked. This is the way my dad did his job or what. And, and maybe that becomes the timber that you were from, from the forest. Maybe your forest is the opinion of other people. Is that when you are starting to build, you go on Facebook. And you see, you get brilliant ideas from Facebook. I don't know where, but maybe Facebook is where you go and you find out, okay, yeah, that's... Where my, what my stand should be on this or on that or how people should be interacting. Maybe your own mind is your forest. Maybe you build with whatever you can justify, whatever you think is good, it becomes the timber for how you're going to live your life. Another one is the status quo thinking of the world around us or maybe the societal wood mill. Is that whatever society says, well, I don't know, let's throw one out there. How a man should treat a woman, well, that's what we're going to go with. Whatever society says is gender, yeah, we'll go with that. Whatever society says marriage is, yeah, we'll go with that one too. Now remember, I, you can get timber to build with anywhere. And maybe we are building with different kinds of timbers. But if you want what God wills for your life, then it's going to have to be with the materials of heaven. It's going to have to come from the king's forest. And God offers us his best from his forest. God has timber for a great marriage. God has timber for your finances. God has timber for your family. His word, his truth, his kindness, his will... These are all things we can build with. That we decide that his forest is where, you know, I'm going to find out, you know, my wife ticked me off the other day, and it's like, you know, I'm just not going to talk to her. I mean, I'm, you know, she talks too much anyway. And I'm being hypothetical here, okay? This is purely hypothetical. But it's like, I don't want to talk to her, you know? It's like, you know, I'm just going to go to bed, I'm not going to say goodnight, going to go upstairs, watch TV, fall asleep, and I'm not going to have a conversation. You know, you can do that, and you can, that's, that's timber. And if you want to build your marriage that way, you can. But there's this other forest that says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave his life for her. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Do not consider a suffered wrong or an offense. Be quick to forgive, slow to judge. It's like, well, I tell you, that's not coming out of the societal mill. It's not what you're finding on Facebook, but it does come from the king of the forest. 
and we can build with stuff that comes out of his forest. So, so let me ask you, where are you getting your materials from? What is the quality of the things that you're building with? Are you building? If, I, I would love to think that, well, I'm going to build my life, and then what I'm going to do is I'm going to start going to church, and then I'm going to ask God to bless it. That I'm going to build it the way that I want to build it, and then I go to church one day a week, and then I'm going to ask God to go bibbidi-bobbidi-boo, and that he's going to make it amazing for me. I don't think we should be surprised that some of us build stuff, and it all of a sudden looks like hell. I mean, literally. It's like, well, yeah, but you, you've been using envy, jealousy, anger, resentment to build with. Why are you surprised that it looks like hell? Because you use the stuff from hell to build with. So what are you building with? What are your materials? I want you to know something else about Nehemiah's request about timber from the king's forest. And I think this is equally important. Let me read it to you again. And I said to the king, if it pleases the king, let letters be given to me, to Asaph, the, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make make beams for the gates of the fortress, which is alongside of the temple, for the wall of the city, and for the house to which I go. And the king granted them to me. So he asked to use the timber for the gates of the temple, for the walls of the city, and for the house or the home that he was going to live in. See, Jerusalem, and the way that it's laid out, is kind of a, a, a picture here of with the temple and, and with the city and with the houses and in the wall. I could have drawn this a little bit differently and, and, and illustrated it with concentric circles. Because what Nehemiah is saying is that he's building every concentric circle, every circle in order, with the exact same materials. So... We have learned from allegory and simile and metaphor in, in the scriptures that the temple of a person represents their heart. When we look at the walls of the city, we are talking about the soulish realm, the personality of an individual. And then when we talk about his home, we're talking about the nature of his life culture. And so what Nehemiah is telling us is that he's building every part of his life, the heart issues, the personality issues, and the cultural interaction issues, the home life, the relationship issues. He's building it with the same stuff. He's using the timber of heaven to guard his heart, define his personality, and to house his relationships. That's not the way we do it in America. We tend to compartment and restrict God's timber in our lives. Oh, we do Christmas most of the time, sort of, kind of like God's way. But when it comes to money, <laughs> that's a whole different timber, isn't it? Oh, how about this one? Sex. There's no way most of us are going to allow some archaic old forest tell us how to have sex in the 21st century and what sex is. You know, we'll talk to God about prayer. We'll talk to God about the afterlife and about existence, meaning, and purpose. 
And we'll have that maybe temple conversation with him and we'll build our Sunday morning experience out of that wood. But then when it comes to, I mean, let me just throw this one by you. I mean, uh, to just show you, there's, there's a principle that we live in, it's called tithing. Now, maybe you're new to Christ and, and don't let this get in your way, but the principle is, is that, that once I recognize Christ's lordship in my life and the, how God provides for me, well, I'm kind of encouraged to turn around for the sake of keeping my heart clear and ready to receive more from God, that I turn around and honor God with 10% of what I make. Now, I know some of you are about to fall off your chairs because you're like, what? It's like, you got to be kidding me. There's no way I'm giving up 10% of my income, Jack. Now, if I told you Jesus died on the cross for your sins and if you come up and receive communion, you're like, hey, you may shove the next guy out of line. But when it comes to talking about that concentric circle, that realm of my ownership, the realm of my stuff, I'm going to build with different timber instead of the timber of heaven. Apply that to your relationships. Maybe, you know, maybe you look at the timber of your dating. What kind of guys do you date? What kind of, what kind of um, um, women are you going out with? It's like, well, you know, I kind of, you know, I talk to God on Sundays. I pray about it a little bit. But when it comes down to the kind of woman I want and the kind of person I should be dating, well, you know, just leave that to me. You know, I'm going to let my own forest determine how I'm going to go about that. The scripture is very clear to remind us in Proverbs 3. It says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And do not lean to your own understanding or... Do not build with the, limb, with the timber from your own woods. It's like, be careful, because we dupe ourselves all the time. I'm always turning two by fours into one and three quarters by three and a half whenever I can. Fudging a little here, lying a little here, compromising a little bit there. And the scripture warns us, it says, do not lean to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and your timber paths will be straight. Pick up that piece of wood, look at it, and it's like, dang, I can build with something like that. Moses wrote in Numbers, remember all the commands of the Lord, so as to do them, and do not follow after your own heart or your own eyes. Don't be your own forest. And I know everything in culture is telling you what? Follow your heart. Follow your heart. You know, do what you think is right. Folks, do you know if I followed my heart, this Sunday morning would be going totally different, okay? One, I would not be here. Um, Two, you would not be in my way. I mean, I would, I know if I was to follow my heart, Jeremiah was very clear when he said, the human heart is desperately wicked above all things. Above all things. Doesn't mean that we're all bad all the time, but it means that we do have the ability within us to produce some really bad timber. And that sometimes we build our lives with lumber, 
that is less than what God wants us to use, and then we get angry with God because our lives look like a mess. I've been where a lot of you are, and I've been through a divorce, and, and part of it was my fault. I mean, who wants to live with an angry guy? You know, I, I can't expect anybody to do that, but I, I was angry all the time. And when that marriage ended, you know, I realized that I cannot remarry living in the same forest or building with the same materials that I built with last time. I need different timber. I need to be a different man. See, we think that in order the way that you get a better marriage is to get a better spouse. Let me be very clear. When Nehemiah goes back, he goes back with new timber, but he uses the bricks that are already there. You may think what you need is a new city, a new wife, a new husband, that they represent the new timber. No, Nehemiah went back to an old city and brought new timber to an old city and made that old city great again. See, if you build with the things of heaven, the truth of God, the character of God, the will of God, the kindness of God, the love of God, your old city, your rubble, your broken down life can be transformed into thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth just as it is in heaven. And if we're going to experience any life that's just like in heaven, then we must build what heaven builds with. So as we come up today and we have this moment of communion, that bread and that cup, they represent the building materials of heaven. They represent the quality, the bearing, and the behavior the flora and the fauna of the king's forest. Sacrifice, love, truth, compassion, forgiveness. These are all the materials that God freely gives to us who are in Christ Jesus. So let me invite you. Maybe right now you don't, you don't have a relationship with the king. So you don't have your paper that says you can have the materials or that you can leave the regions of shame. Today, you can have a relationship with God by believing Jesus Christ is Lord, that he died for you and rose again so that your life can go forward and that you may have new life. And when you hold that bread and when you, when you dip it into that cup, you are receiving the letter of God written in his flesh and through his blood and then empowered by his resurrection. Maybe today that you're coming and you're realizing that I have been wanting the best of God, but I've been building with the worst of timber. Well, it's not over for you. Today is a new day and God will give you all the resources of heaven. If you seek him, if you lay aside all the other stuff that you've been building with and you say, as for me and my house, we're going to build from the king's forest. It can begin today. Father, we thank you for your grace that's in Christ Jesus. We thank you that you invite us to actually talk to the king, 
that we can have a conversation, that we can boldly approach the throne of our King in time of need, and that your favor is on us, your grace is given to us, that there is no condemnation, none to those who are in conversation with Christ Jesus, in relationship with Him. And Father, today, I surrender the timber of my forest. Lord God, I turn away from the lumber that I've been building with, that I know that it has curves and, and knots and that it's no longer two by four. And today, I come back to you, Lord, and pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done, your forest resources happen on earth in my life and I will build with those. Let me invite you to come and to receive the King's Forest.